Welcome to Inspiring End-of-Life Conversations with Nina Impala. Do you have questions about death? How about events surrounding death? Or perhaps you have questions that need to be answered after death. On this program, we talk frankly and openly about the subject and invite you to share your comments and experiences as well. Now, here is your host, Nina Impala. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Inspiring End-of-Life Conversations. I'm so glad you're here. I have a very special young man with me today that I met, I would say, hmm, it was divine intervention for sure. He, he came into my life, and we instantly clicked, and I can't wait to share his story. So I want to read a little bit about him, and then we're going to dive in. Chris grew up in a very poor neighborhood. He was abandoned by his mother when he was just a baby. Thrown into a dumpster at just six months old, a neighbor recognized him and brought him to his grandmother's. He lived with her until she was too sick to take care of him, which wasn't long. He refers to himself as a boy who grew up from nowhere. Surrounded by gangbangers, Chris knew in his heart he was not meant for that. He was loved. But in order to survive in that kind of neighborhood, he had to hide behind an angry face to stay safe. His story is full of sadness, rejection, and was heartbreaking to read. Chris is an exceptional young man that God knew well, saw his heart, and miraculously changed his life along with his beautiful guardian angels and all the celestial ones that continue to help him. So welcome to the show, Chris. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. So I would like you, I know I talked a lot in your bio, to just talk a little bit about the the beginning part of your life. So we met, it was just so cool the way we met online through another near-death experiencer. And let me explain to, or Chris, I'm going to have you explain, what what is a near-death experiencer? Okay, so a near-death experiencer is is just that, someone who's experienced near-death. And usually when someone dies, they leave their, their spirit, soul leaves their body. And they don't come back. That's how you know they're dead. Right. But then when someone has some type of event or they end up dying, their spirit leaves their body. They have some type of encounter with something or someone in the other side. Mm-hmm. And then they, and they actually get to come back into their body. Mm-hmm. They didn't completely die yet. So that's a near-death experience because they got to come back and, right. live and, and keep living. Yes. And to me, it's, it's the messages that you're going to be sharing here today are going to be really beautiful and very helpful for everybody. So, you know, in the beginning of, of your life, you know, your mom, she was not a good mom. God bless her, wherever she's going to figure that out. But you were bounced around quite a bit. So you never really knew what it was like to have a mother, period. Right. And w- one of the things that you said in your book, which I really resonated with, you know, it was about your survival skills. You know, Chris, the way you knew in the deepest part of your heart that you weren't meant for the life that you had. And I love the part in your book where we talked about, you talk about, well, your mom had all these sisters and you kind of got bounced around between all of them, Right. Right. Yeah. And so your grandmother, she was, um, you had your grandmother, Aunt Poochie, Aunt Sarah, and, and you equated that to, to Harry Potter. 
which I thought was so amazing because Harry Potter was this wizard. He was this amazing boy and he was stuck in a house where he wasn't loved. Right. And it really resonated with your life. It did. So I think it really, that part, you know, it just helped you because it was like you were constantly trying to figure out how to get out of what you were in. Yeah. And even his cousin Dudley, I had a cousin that was Dudley. So everything just, and just lined up. Yeah. And, and the way, you know, and I know the other thing that I read that was so beautiful too, is it, you know, the biggest thing I get from you is the love that you have in your heart. Even though you went through so much, you kept going. And the thing that I think was amazing is I want you to tell us a little bit about Aunt Sarah. I know she's not fun to talk about, but, (laughs) you know, what you learned from going to like a regular church that was kind of, let's say, fire and brimstone. Right. You know what I mean by that? That's what it was. Yeah, that's what it was. Yes. And it's like it's all you knew. Right. So if you could say that, you know, when you started going to school and you started getting older, your friends actually became people that you were learning about God from and learning about life from and learning about love. You didn't learn about love with your family members. No, no. Yeah. It was just so incredible to me. So you went through all these different things and you, you stayed alive, Chris. You really did. And what would you say? In your journey, before you had your near-death experience, that gave you hope? It's a big question. Before? Um, before, because I want to kind of get into what kind of kept you going, because I think it's important for our listeners to hear, the, you know, that we all have this knowing inside of us. We all know, maybe some people don't know they belong to God, but deep, deep, deep down inside our hearts and they get covered up with sadness, with pain, with suffering. God knows the suffering that's going on on the planet right now, but you found a way. And what would you say that, what what kept you going before, you know, I know you were thinking about a lot about suicide towards, you know, the end of everything that was going on right before you're near death. But before that. Well, suicide has always been a part of my mind ever since I was eight years old. So, yeah, it stuck with me all my life. Um, I've always had that inner, those suicidal thoughts. I think the only thing that kept me around as long as I was, was that I was in search of the truth. I had hope that I would get to know the real God that I went to church every Sunday and learned about. Because there was something I just knew. The churches that I went to... God, the, the way they explain God, there's no way he can be that mean and cruel. Exactly. And I didn't want to leave here until I knew the real God, because there was still part of me that was scared to burn in hell for, for committing the, the unforgivable sin. Wow. So there, in a way, was your hope. So if yeah. you've been thinking about suicide since you were eight years old, yeah, that's that's a big deal because it, it, that really resonated with all of the things that were going wrong in your life. But there was one man that he was a weekend guy, Uncle Rabbit, right? Rabbit. Do I got it right, right. Uncle Rabbit? Rabbit. <laughs> you called him Rabbit Man. I called him Rabbit. 
Yeah. Is he still alive, Chris? No, he died when I was 14. Oh, God, that must have been so hard on you. Yeah. No, I think I was about 13, and that's the last time I seen him. Mm. And who was the one that would bring you there, or did you just get there on your own? Well, the family members that I would live with would drop me off at his house. Okay. Almost every weekend, and that almost every weekend, whenever I was allowed to go, and that was an escape for me to be with him. Tell us about Uncle Rabbit, because I know he's listening up above. Uncle Rabbit, he has been in my life ever since I was about four or five years old. And I have vivid memories of him just walking up to his trailer door and knocking on the door and tugging on his shirt, wanting to hug him. He, He treated me like I was his own child slash grandchild slash like best friend, you name it. He was the most amazing man I've ever met. And I used to always try to emulate everything he would do. I would try to wear his hats the way he would. I would, there's just so many things he would, you know, we used to watch the same TV shows together, like old country westerns. And oh, my favorite. Yeah. And I was never one to really watch cartoons that much. I was more into like old shows like Andy Griffith and Beverly Hillbillies and stuff like that. So the Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah. I love yeah so we had a lot in common and I would cry behind him because he was the one person that if he left, I wanted to go with him. I didn't want to be alone with aunt Sarah. There were times where when I went to his house, I would like, I would hope that she's not going to be there. Yeah. So that you know, way. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, Chris, one of the other things when reading your book, and I really want to have my audience, if you can, just read his book, because, you know, I mean, I really wanted to have Chris on the show, because I think there's a lot of children out there, you know, that have had really rough childhoods and stuff. And to find one person that loves you, you know, as Uncle Rabbit did, it, it was the one thing in your life that kept you going. But here's the thing, is that Inside of you, Chris, this is what blows me away about you. I mean, if you, my audience, if you read this book, I was crying in parts of this book because this was a child that went without love, went without food, went without proper clothing, or proper shelter. And yet he would find whatever he could to kind of keep him going. And it was, and it was so interesting, Chris, because it was just like these things along the way. You know, like when you were littler, you know, Uncle Rabbit came in. But then there were different parts of your life where, like, here, let's talk about this. The gang members that figured you out, you know, you weren't going to be a Crip and you weren't going to be a Blood. You were just going to be Chris. Yeah. And those guys kind of became your allies, right? Yeah, we. They, I've had a lot of good friends like that. They protected you. Oh, yeah, they did. Isn't that so interesting, you know? Because I think people that you know, didn't grow up in a neighborhood where they had gang members, then, you know, it's, it's something that most people would be afraid of. But it was such a part of your life that you made them your allies. Right. It's something that you were just stuck. You, you're not running away from this because they're all over. Yeah. And that takes strength. Great strength. Because so many kids get to a certain age and it's almost like. They give up, and their life is kind of destined to that. Right. 
So you're a very special young man. Thank you. You're welcome. So, you know, with the different relationships that came up in your life and things like that, Chris, I think that you were so brave. And so when it got closer and closer and closer and closer to the point where you did commit suicide, one of the things that I wanted to touch on with that was, and I can say this as a spiritual person, and I know other people that are listening, when you have feelings that are so deep inside of you and you're trying to explain it to someone, whether it's good, whether you just need a shoulder, whether it's beautiful, and the other person can't hear it, it's devastating. Do you know what I mean by that? Like with, um, let's talk about Katrina a little bit. She was a, a woman that came into your life when you were really starting to go through a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing, Chris, you know, and, and when you, I know, <laughs> and when you learned <laughs> everything you learned, you know, it that, that, that's like a big thing for all of us to learn. And that's what that show is about. You hang out with people that get you. They understand you and they know who you are. And that's how I think we get to decide these things. And I think God teaches us that. Yes. So, yes. So, I want you to tell us, so we're going to bring our audience into the part where, you know, you decided that, you know, that was it. I got to go. And how that manifested itself. Well, like I said, I, I think really after high school, because during high school, I was pretty popular and I didn't have any thoughts of suicide in high school. So, like, throughout my whole high school career, I was just pretty much happy go. And then after high school, that's when I lost a lot of friends because, you know, people go their separate ways. And so high school kind of became your family. Yes. I okay. loved going to school. Mm-hmm. And I loved seeing people around school because it made me forget about going back home to Aunt Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. And after high school, you know, people just go their separate ways. You're in the work field now. And then it, you're just more focused on your career or what what are you going to do for the rest of your life? And it became so serious to me. Then I seen people that I went to school with progressing so much in their life and Mm. they had their families with them, backing them, getting them their first cars and Mm -hmm. co-signing their houses and apartments and all this. And I'm like, I was just alone. Like I didn't have anybody to help me like that. So it was a big change. You lost your family. I did. Yeah. And I was too stubborn to ask my own friends and tell them that I needed help. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, when you're in schooling after being so popular and stuff, and then they went on and did their life, and you weren't able to do exactly what you wanted to do, you, you became very alone. Yeah. So I felt like failure. Yeah. And that's yeah. when the suicidal thoughts came again. Okay, you know, they have a break coming up already, and I want to save this because it's very important and we have a lot to talk about, Chris. So let's go to break, and then when we come back, we will go further into it. Okay. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Nina offers an alternative to traditional counseling. Sessions are not just 50 minutes, but a full hour. When you go in for a regular counseling session, many times you don't remember everything. 
Nina's Difference is a summary email after each session and or a follow-up phone call if needed up to two weeks after. Nina also provides hospital visit consultations as necessary. Sessions with Nina and Paula are $250, and if you book a three-session package, you will get a $100 discount. Let's get you feeling peaceful and happy again. Losing someone we love is one of the most challenging, fearful, and heart-rending experiences we are ever likely to face. In her book, Dearly Departed, Nina Impala shares stories of her experiences as a hospice volunteer for more than 12 years and how those experiences prepared her for the final days of her own parents. Nina emphasizes the importance of being a good listener and living a good life. Dearly Departed by Nina Impala is available in paperback or Kindle edition through Amazon.com or your favorite book retailer. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Inspiring End-of-Life Conversations. If you have a question for Nina Impala or her guest today, call into our program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to tutoringforthespirit at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Okay, and we're back. So, Chris is Going, going to go into um, his suicide and his meeting with God, Chris. So we're going to listen. Okay, well, um, after maybe I was about 21 and I seen my friends progressing, doing bigger things with their lives and, you know, like with their families, helping them and all that. And I didn't have anybody to help me or to even support me, like, like a support system. That's the word I'm looking for. I did yeah. not have a support system. You were alone. Right. Very alone. And um, so feeling failure in the family members that I did have were just always telling me, well, you don't need a driver's license. You don't need a job. You don't need to work like because they wanted me to stay to depend on either them. And while their kids are doing good things with themselves, they didn't want to help me. Yeah. They wanted me to be the one that was like, I guess like homeless. I don't know what it was, but they just didn't want me to do good. So with this, it brought down my confidence a lot. And, um, for the next few years, I just started getting a lot of anxiety, social anxiety. I didn't even want to go on the bus, like without thinking everybody's looking at me. Oh, that must, and it was all your trauma, Chris. That's what it was. I mean, when I was reading your, your book, I'm going, this poor guy, you know, it just kept building, 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 building inside of you and I had nowhere to go. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't really have, I felt like I didn't have any to talk to because I felt like the people that I didn't know, like the friends I had, they wouldn't understand. Right. Because they had a different upbringing than I did. Yeah. So, so with key, and then the churches I would go to, they would always say, well, 
being suicidal is a sin. You're not supposed to basically oh, breathe the wrong way or you're going to burn in hell, you know? Yeah. And I was always the type that had questions about God, but I was always taught, don't question God. So with that, I said, well, if I can't question God, I'm just going to just do all the, I'm going to drink, I'm going to do all the drugs I can and just try to like forget about everything. Yeah. Check out. But yeah. But Mm -hmm. as I I was like drinking like hard liquor every day for like a few months, but then I got bored of it. So then I started like doing pills and like cough syrup and all that. And I got bored of that. And then it's like, it's not like no matter everything I did, I just got bored because it wasn't feeling my, it wasn't making me happy. You were in so much pain. Right. So there wasn't a point in doing it. So I just got to a point where I said, I'm just, and this was maybe when I was about 24, I said, I'm just going to end it all. So I need to plan. So my plan was to, um, basically I was going to drown myself and I changed my mind from doing that. Then I said, I'm just going to, um, make it easy and I'm going to, um, lay in front of the train and let the train come and hit me. Mm. So, so. I ended up one day walking to the train station because for months I had timed the trains and what time they come by that exact track. I was timing it like, okay, they come at this time, this time, and this time. So now I know around what time, maybe I'll get the 630 train and jump in front of that one. Boom. You know, I'll be on time. Mm. So as one day I was with Katrina and um, we were talking and she was really, she wasn't the best person to be around. You know, she's like very mean. Unstable. Unstable. There you go. Yeah. And so as I was leaving her house with the arg- from an argument one day, I was walking to that exact train station. And she didn't know what I had planned. But she somehow, I just, I didn't tell her I was leaving. I just jetted out the door and just start walking, power walking. And um, she didn't know I left. So, cause she was in the bathroom. So by the time I was almost by that train station, mm-hmm. that exact train station, I seen her car and her, she honks and tells me, get in the car, get in the car. So I'm like, well, that plan is ruined now. So okay. yeah. So I happened to ironically at this exact moment, I'm in her car. My mom calls me. And oh, I remember this, Chris. This is so sad. Go ahead. If you can talk about it. Sure. So I haven't talked to my mom in years. Right. And um, the last time I talked to her, I was maybe like like 19 or something. And she said, I just, you know, if you ever have kids, don't tell them that, um, that I'm their grandma because I'm not your mom. And I mm. never have been your mom. So when she called me when I'm in my friend's car, it was... I'm thinking she's going to call me and tell me something good. Like she's tired. Like she's sorry for everything. Right. That, that child's hope. Right. That would have changed my mind about the yeah. suicide completely. Yeah. That would have been the one thing that changed my mind. Correct. Yeah. So I asked her how she gets my phone number in the first place. And she said, my grandma gave it to her. Mm-hmm. He went out of her way to call me. So I'm thinking it's something good. She's going to say. But she ends up saying, I just called to tell you, stop asking about me. Stop looking for me. I'm not your mom. I never have been. I don't want you. 
I never will want you. I don't care about you. Mm. God. So after that, I, and she said, I'm not your mom. So I said, F you, you never were. And mm. then I took my phone. I rolled down the window and tossed out my phone. So my friend is asking, in the driver's seat is asking me like, are you okay? And they weren't exactly the most understanding person either. They really knew if you felt, if you felt like a piece of crap, they really knew how to kick you when you're down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she said, oh, well, oh, well, so what? I just, I need to drop you off because I need to go do something. But she right. was going to go with her other guys or whatever. But, um, so she wasn't really concerned about that. So again, I felt alone. So I just remember her making a right turn. And that's when I looked at her and under my breath, I said, F this. And I opened the door and jumped out. Wow. And then that's when the back of, I just remember my, the back of my head hitting the concrete. Okay. And yeah. And um, I don't remember how long I was there for, but I do remember trying to get up, but I just remember like a big bump and it reminded me of when I was like three years old and I hit my head falling off the back of a tricycle. It was that same feeling. So I ended up trying to get myself up and something kept telling me like, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that if I were you. So I kept trying to push myself. Little did I know I'm coming out of my body, but, but I didn't know this. So I kept getting up. So I'm saying, okay, that hurt. I'm going to just walk home. Literally, I look at my body on the floor and I'm like, wait, how am I right there? I'm, I'm seeing things. I'm just going to walk home. I took mm-hmm. three steps later. Boom, I'm in this void. Like, it's Ooh. like, yeah, I just see this void. And I see like this, pro- well, actually, no, not the projection screen. I basically felt this void and I felt the presence of the most dominant presence I ever felt in my life. And it was the most manly presence ever. Like, I thought I was going to die. But then at the same time, telepathically, the thoughts that I'm thinking are the questions I had are answered right away. So, so the voice, the, what the voice says into my head is, I am God. Because mm-hmm. I know I was God. So it's like, I am God. Yes, I am real. Yes, angels are real. They're a gift for me. And then at one point in your book, and I'm going to stop you right there. Okay. I want to know what it felt like to be hugged by God. You wrote that in your book. Yeah, I felt him like, say, yeah, because he said, like, let me reintroduce myself to you. Like, I am God. You know, I am real. Angels are real. <laughs> I like, was like, wow, what does that yeah. mean? By God. Yeah. And I just feel, I, I didn't see God's shadow or face or anything like that. I just felt him get on a knee. Give me a hug because I asked him, how am I supposed to explain this when I go back to earth? And he gives me this big hug and that's how he explained it. Wow. Yeah. And then I see this projection screen of like, you know, like this skater guy and then a prostitute and then a business guy. And he's saying how he loves them the same. And he said he'll go to the end of the world. So everyone is with him. So. I didn't even have any questions about angels, but little, little do you know, boom. Like oh, a yeah. second later, I'm... That's the name of this book, guys, boom. Yeah, boom. so literally in, I'm midair, and I, I physically see 
literally I'm looking at angels and one is on my right, one is on my left. I know there were other angels around, but I just paid more attention to those two particular ones. Mm -hmm. They felt so familiar. And um, I look at the one on my left side and he tells me like, are you sure you want to go? Like he had like the stern, like, you sure you want to go type voice. Yeah. Then I look to my right and then I see that angel huge, like very huge, like nine feet tall. And um, he says, you have so much to do for so many people. Mm, so true. And Chris, did yeah. they have like, did you see colors and stuff? Some people do. Do you used to, did you, or is more of this light and feeling? The one on my right was more human than anything. Like, he looked like a buff human with wings. He looked like a big construction <laughs> worker with wings. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. They didn't have, like, halos and stuff, but. No. But he, you saw wings, I hear. Yeah. Yeah. He had wings. They both did. Um, okay. But the one on my left side was not really human. His mm -hmm. face was. I was so scared of him because of his tone. And that's the first one I seen. He was like, are you sure you want to go? Like. I was like, uh, I was scared because he's so huge and there was so much light beaming out of him. Wow. I had to kind of like turn around because it was like so bright. And then I looked at my right one, but the right, um, the angel on my right looked like, a, like I said, a construction worker. Like, you know, he had like a red flannel shirt rolled up to his sleeves, blue jeans and sandals and um, like brown curly hair. So interesting. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You think Sometimes they do that just to make us feel more comfortable, you know? I, I think so. I think so. You talk about the biggest lesson that they taught you. What is that biggest lesson? I'm, I'm looking at your book, but you said, do you want me to read it, Chris? Uh-huh, sure. The biggest lesson they taught me is how your mind controls, controls everything. everything, yeah. It, do you want to go ahead and, and sure. explain that? Go for it. Yeah, sure. Um. So this was about a week after I got out of the hospital because I was in the hospital for a week. And um, when I got out of the hospital, um, they, I forgot really what happened. And oh, yeah. um, I just knew something happened, but I was trying to put the pieces together mm -hmm. and feel healed because I couldn't really talk much. I couldn't really walk that well. Like, you know, I just was trying to get all my senses back. I couldn't smell. I couldn't taste. It was, everything was gone. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I don't know how many bags I hemorrhaged out of, but it was it did a lot of damage to my head. And um, so as I'm taking a shower one day, I didn't go back. I didn't go to therapy or do anything like that. I was more into like self-healing. So one day after I was out of the shower, I remember I almost fell because like I almost stumbled and lost my balance. And I felt like my tongue get stuck to the back of my throat. Okay. And then that's when one of them... I don't remember which one, but one of them were like, okay, empty your mind of everything you've ever known. We're going to teach you everything you need to know from now on. Holy cow. So, and that's, they said, the, and then I do remember the one on my right side. He said, the first thing we're going to teach you, and then that's when the left, the left angel said, is that the brain controls everything. It all starts in your mind and your and thoughts. Like, and I'm like, into, what? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, it starts in your thoughts and your thoughts turn into words. Your words turn into actions. That is just, I wish everybody on the planet could get that. 
I'm yeah. going to read it. I have to read it from your book. This is a really important thing that all of us need to do, including myself. The biggest lesson they taught me is how your mind controls everything. It all starts in your mind. Your thoughts turn into words. Your words turn into actions. So watch your thoughts and your words. The words you say create either positive or negative vibes. Think of every word, I love this, that comes out of your mouth as a living being. Yes. Like literally a human. Yes. Yes. So if it's a good human or a bad human, it's going to be something. So watch, just be careful on what you put out. Yeah. Yeah. So coming back into the world, you know, you, you were in heaven. Now you've got these angels with you all the time. And well, could, right? I don't want to um, give anybody the wrong idea that I was in heaven because oh, one right. thing I didn't mention is when I was in that, uh, like I was in the sky, but and I was with my angels, but there was this circle, like this little donut, this big donut hole. If okay. I were to have stepped into that, then I would have went into heaven. That's so interesting. You know, uh, last um, week when I had Father Nathan on, he corrected me too, because it's true. You know, it's afterlife. You die and then you go to the afterlife. Right. And the way he explained it is heaven is so big. And when we um, talk about suicide, which we're, we're going to get in a little deeper with that, um, I think there's just different hangouts where people go depending on why they're there and what's happening and if they're going back, if they're going to another place. I mean, I just think it's so vast. But yours was like, a, you said like a donut that you were right. standing in the middle of it. No, you're on the right. outside. But if you'd gone into the middle, then you know you would have been in 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 a higher place or a part of heaven. Right. right. Like, you know how someone escorts you by your arm, how they put, they lock your arm on your arm? Yeah. My angels had me like that, like one on one side, one on the other side. They were trying to convince me not to cross over to that, into that hole. They wanted you to be here. Right. Because I guess maybe if I would have crossed into that hole, I probably would not have sure enough have came back. Yeah. So, yeah. So they were basically trying to plead, like bargain me like, hey, don't go yet. Like we have to show you something. And that's when they let me see my body on the floor. Yeah. The paramedics around. So do they give you pictures in your head? Is that how they talk to you and more telepathically? Well, okay, this is hard to explain. Um, I know it is to put it in words. I'll try that. But I can put it in words. It's more like telepathically, Mm -hmm. you hear the thought, you hear the emotion of the way they're, or should I say you feel the emotion in the way that they're saying it? Yes. And then you hear exactly what they're saying in your head. Right. That, that's beautiful because that's the way it is for me too. I feel and, yeah. then, and then I kind of process it in my brain. Yeah, you know? and, I, and I know it's them. I know it's not other beings right. that are trying to trick me. Because they use words that you don't use. Not only that, but it's more like, I explained this before one time, um, <laughs> they have their own characteristics. True. So, just like we do. So mm-hmm. if someone tells me that I'm Chris Batts, the suicide near-death experiencer with Boom, they're going to be like, well, no, you're not. You don't sound anything like them. That's a good way to put it. That's a really great way to explain it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it is. But it's wonderful. It's so wonderful. We're going to go to break again, and then we cut back. We're going to talk about um, suicide prevention and a couple of little things about that. <laughs> 
So we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Nina offers an alternative to traditional counseling. Sessions are not just 50 minutes, but a full hour. When you go in for a regular counseling session, many times you don't remember everything. Nina's difference is a summary email after each session and or a follow-up phone call if needed up to two weeks after. Nina also provides hospital visit consultations as necessary. Sessions with Nina and Paula are $250. And if you book a three-session package, you will get a $100 discount. Let's get you feeling peaceful and happy again. Losing someone we love is one of the most challenging, fearful, and heart-rending experiences we are ever likely to face. In her book, Dearly Departed, Nina Impala shares stories of her experiences as a hospice volunteer for more than 12 years and how those experiences prepared her for the final days of her own parents. Nina emphasizes the importance of being a good listener and living a good life. Dearly Departed by Nina Impala is available in paperback or Kindle edition through Amazon.com or your favorite book retailer. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Inspiring End of Life Conversations. If you have a question for Nina Impala or her guest today, call into our program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to tutoringforthespirit at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. Here we are. We're back. So... Chris and I, we're going to be talking a little bit about suicide, but I also want to go into what happens when you've had these powerful experiences. Experiences, So, life after, and it takes people, if I'm correct, Chris, quite a bit of time to be able to, like, sit in and go, wow, that just happened. And I've had guests before where they've talked to, you know, They've, they've had to like talk to counselors and they've had or people and nobody understands and then they kind of go within for a little bit. Sometimes it kind of reminds me of grief. You know, you just aren't able to talk about it to certain people and you have to share it with only people that really love you. Right. One of the things that I know, I've never had a near-death experience, Chris, but I've had many shared death experiences where I've gone right to the edge and come back to help my patients when they're dying. And when you say... A spiritual person, you get this gift where you don't judge, no matter how a person looks. You don't notice appearances. You, a spiritual person tries to be better every day, tries to help people. It's like ingrained in you to be a good person and not be judgmental and to be loving and kind the best that you can, which is hard 
you know, in our world sometimes. And you notice things that are different. Like with me, plants are huge. Like I can feel when a plant is sad or it's dying and it's like it talks to me and people are like, that's a little weird me. And I'm like, no. And do you experience stuff like that, Chris? Not to to that extent with the plants, but I mean, I can't feel their emotion, but I do know that they have an emotion. Right. Yeah. So I do know that they have life just like we do. Yes. And, and, And the other thing I want to mention, so so many things I want to do before we close the show, which we're not there yet, guys, but when... You know, when you're a spiritual person, or you've had, let's just say when you've had these big experiences and you're, you know, your heart's so open all the time, we feel stuff on such a different level than most people. And the important thing about that is, is that you really, yeah, you have to be very careful here like this. So, you and I are having a conversation and you're not a person that has had a spiritual experience just for a second, Chris. And I tell you something, it's like, oh, dude, you know what happened to me? I... I know I saw an angel and there was this light in front of me and it was so beautiful. And you're sitting there and I'm having lunch with you and you say, Nina, are you going to have the chicken sandwich or did you want the turkey? And, and can, now, can you pass the broccoli? What, Chris? Like, can you pass the bacon? You know? <laughs> yes. And in, yeah. that, in that moment, you know that that person does not have ears to hear. Yes. Because you're kind of vibrating at a different level of light and it's not good. It's not bad. It's just where they're at and it's where you're at. But yeah. for people like us, it, we have to learn how to manage that. And uh, it's a challenging thing. So how has that been for you, my friend? It's kind of awkward, especially when the person that was with me during the whole near-death experience did not believe any of that happened to me. Oh, yeah. And literally, I'm telling them what they were doing while they were next to me, I'm like, I saw the paramedics over me. You were over t- way far away from them on your phone texting. And it diminishes your experience, which makes you feel so sad. It diminishes it, makes it small. Yeah. Agreed. And they said, well, they said, you're just, um, they said, you're just seeing things. Um, yeah. You really have to hang out with people that really love you. It's just the yeah. way it is. It is. Yeah. So, Chris, let's, let's, uh, I really want to get and talk about suicide, what you're doing right now to help other people. And um, tell us what you did yesterday. I'd love to hear about that. I didn't get to go on the call or get to see the video, but uh, tell us what happened yesterday and what you're trying to do out there in the world. Okay, so I'll start with yesterday. Yesterday, um, I actually, a good friend, another near death experiencer and um, author, Trisha Barker. She's a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And she had an idea because, as many know, um, there was someone who got seen hanging from a tree in mm. Palmdale, California. Mm. And this exact spot was my meditation spot for years. Wow. So I, I always like to have good vibes. And I go out to a certain park or area to get those vibes. And that area has always given me the most inner peace and clarity, tranquility, everything at that exact spot that he was caught. I mean, that he was seen hanging from that tree. Oh, my God. That's so sad. 
So Trisha Barker came up with an idea. She said, let's do an energy healing. So she went on Facebook and she got a lot of people involved and not even Facebook, just a lot of social media. She got people involved. I got on my social media, got people involved in doing maybe like a prayer or sending energies and vibe and good vibes to that area Mm -hmm. to, to Robert Fuller, the guy that was found. And his family, his friends, and yeah, and the whole area, and especially his soul. So she came up with the she put out the um the word, and all I did was show up. I went, I met people that showed up too, and um during this time there was 15 minutes of silence just to send good vibes and energies to his soul and that area. That's so beautiful. Yeah, and to clean out some of the negative energies that were there, that were left there from the mm. day he was lynched. I mean, the day he was found. I, I believe that. When something really horrific um, happens, that the, the energy stays, it needs to be cleansed, you know? Right. I've yeah. walked through things like that before where I've gone, oh, something bad happened here. Yeah. You know, I don't know what, but I can just feel it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, um, something else I also do, I I like to speak out about what, because to this day, I have a great relationship with my guardian angels, they, the angels that I've met, and they still talk to me and tell me things. Nice. And um, a lot of the things that they tell me, I like to tell other people. So I make videos on my YouTube channel talking about so many situations. My channel is more of an uplifting channel. I try to uplift people and bring light and love to the world because the world needs more love. Um, I also speak at, I've spoken at IONS conferences um, for the past two years. I've spoken at other conferences as well. Um, I like to speak out on motivating people and especially the people that are suicidal like I was because not everybody that feels down on themselves is going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Chris, what does that look like when you can, like if suicide prevention, I mean, what does that look like for anybody that's listening right now? I mean, tell us, you know, what, what, what is suicide prevention? How do you do it? What do you say? I just have hope. I mean, I can't really explain suicide prevention, but I do know all I can do is try. I think love, honestly, like love is Agreed. the most important thing that a suicidal person craves they need it they want it and some people don't want to give it to them because they feel like they're being over dramatic or something like that okay let's stop there for a sec okay because your main message from god was tell everybody i love them correct yes okay and you you know and and you being well you're a younger man you know you're, you're in your 30s some people look at it as corny. It's not corny. I mean, truly, truly, what you just said, just in that little bite right there about love, you know, about that people that commit suicide aren't feeling loved. You know, I have a real quick story, Chris, I want to share with you. My mom, when she was sick, you know, I had to bring her to the hospital one day. And we, there was a really long wait, and I was just sitting there. I'll never forget it. There was a little man in the, in the room because we were in the ER behind me mm-hmm. and the firemen were there and they just said, yeah, yeah, whatever. 
the guy tried to commit suicide and they left him in there alone and they all walked out. Wow. It broke my heart. Wow. And all I know in that moment, what went through my mind, and this is like 20 years ago, what went through my mind was nobody loved him mm-hmm. or somebody loved him, but he didn't know what love was. Right. And he was alone in the world. So you're exactly right about that. You have to teach love and yeah. tell people to be open about it. Yeah. People are so afraid to talk to each other about love or express it. Or it's because weird. of the judgment. It's, it's judgment. Judgment. Tell judgment. Me. Oh, okay. Judgment. I can barely hear you talk a little bit oh, more. Okay. Me. No, I was going to say it's judgment because that's what makes someone scared to open up and talk about their suicidal thoughts. Cause some people will say, get that out of your head. You're just being stupid instead of grabbing them, hugging them and telling them that, well, I love, I, lo- well, I love you. Yeah. I'm here. Oh, I'm here for you. Yeah. You can, you can tell me whatever you need to. You don't, I'm not going to ever judge you. That's what they need to hear. Yeah. No judgment because it's a, it's, it's a, it's something that, it hurts so deeply when you really can't be yourself with somebody, you know, because you're oh, too afraid or you're yeah. afraid you're going to be judged. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's all over in our world. And the more we spread love say, I love you, you know, and just open your heart. It, it just, it changes things. And we all know that the world really, le- really needs that right now. So when you're speaking and you talk about love, you just use the word love and just say, we have to all love each other and be able to talk about it. So it's, it's more on your YouTube channel. It's very uplifting, like you said. Oh, yeah. Okay. And what have been, what have been your responses have been like, Chris, from people? I have gotten many people who've written me and told me, thank you so much oh. for telling your story because either they lost someone to suicide mm-hmm. and they don't know what happened to them or... Right. They are feeling the same way. They're feeling suicidal and they hear my story and they say how it's helped them have a little bit of hope and how um, they will, they like that, how I seen the bright side of it and how I had humor in certain things. That's great. It's so and important. It make them laugh and they needed to laugh. You know, when you're in a state of suicide, I just got this one day, I don't know, it was they were meditating or something, that somebody had committed suicide. We had had a, quite a bit where I was living before. It just seemed like high school kids, you know? And uh, I got to go quick with this. But either way, I always just see it as being in a dark forest without light. They get lost, and then that's it. It's over. And yeah. then, right? And there's, there's no light to shine where they need it to shine. And yes. It's so important. So I know we've got only about four minutes here till we close, Chris. I can't believe how fast this has gone. I know. It, it's good, though. It's all good. So give us your, tell us about your book, where they can find your book, where they can find you, YouTube, everything. Okay. Um, the book is my self published memoir, Boom, The Life and Times of a Suicide Near Death Experiencer. Um, it's a story. It's an uplifting story about my life, and the main target audience are for people who are into near-death experiences, who are into angels, and they can learn things from angels, and as well as the people who feel down and suicidal on themselves. I honestly think my 
main target are those ones, those suicidal people. Okay. I have the biggest urge and okay. also to help them. And also it's available on Amazon and Kindle. And um, my YouTube channel is No Bad Vibes Space 7. So that would be N-O-B-A-D-V-I-B-E-S Space 7. Okay, and they can see that on Facebook, too. We've just got two more minutes here, and so I want to um, wrap up. So, and, and Chris is on Facebook. We know everybody's on Facebook. No bad vibes. What's your email address? No bad oh, vibes. Oh, yeah. Face, Facebook is Chris NDE. Right, Chris NDE. Okay. Yeah. And then if anybody's looking for Chris, you can find good, come through me, and I will help you find Chris if you need to talk to him. Everybody knows where I'm at, too. So, Chris... I just can't thank you enough for being on the show today. Thank you for everything you're doing, for all the love that you're bringing into this world. You are just a great guy. So you take care. Thank you so much. You're welcome, my friend. We'll talk soon. Okay. Okay. So this show today was very powerful. I'm so happy that everybody was here and listening. And please share it. Chris's book, Boom will turn your life around. And if you've had a suicide in your family or you've had any suicide in your life, you'd be a great person to talk to and just vibe with. So take care. Have a great week, a great weekend, and peace. Bye-bye. We hope you have found hope in this week's edition of Inspiring End-of-Life Conversations. Please join your host, Nina Impala, for another program next Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again soon.